Well, it's going to be a little different, isn't it? So here's how it's going to work. If you got questions, this is your chance. And if you don't, we're going to have a conversation and then go have pizza. <laughs> so you have to decide what you want out of this tonight. And... Uh, <laughs> but, you know... There's a lot, there's a lot, I don't know if you've talked with Mark, but there's a lot more to Mark than what he does up here with what he's playing with the music. And I wanted, I felt like instead of me talking to you, you know who I am, that you need to get to know him because I feel like he's got a lot inside of him to say. And that was, I asked Yuri, I said, can we just do Q&A tonight? And the two of us sit here and just dialogue or you ask questions and just go from there because... I want, I want to pull everything I can out of him. So. <laughs> not, not want everything. <laughs> <laughs> so here we are. Uh, does anyone have a question before we even begin? Otherwise, we'll, we'll turn our chairs and look at each other and talk. Oh, there's a question. All right. <laughs> there's yeah, there's pockets. There's there's nations where there's um, nations seem to go through cycles over there. Right now, the Muslims are really trying to take territory. Uh, Zambia and above Southern Africa, South Africa is a good place where there's a strong Christian presence. Uh, now we got to turn our chairs back. Yeah, I'm feeling funny looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> and there's uh, other nations. <coughs> I was trying to remember where is. Uh, oh, he asked me to come over. Huh? Guinea. Guinea has a strong presence right now of God in it. Uh, Kenya has some areas. Uh, every nation is going to be different based on government and based on if the government is Muslim or non-Muslim. And um, but there is nations that are really pretty strong in Christianity. And Zambia is unbelievable what's happening in Zambia. Um, there's really a move. There's really moves of God. We know Bonki has been through a lot of the nations as well. Seen a lot of movement. Um, but I'll tell you what's happened in the nations that had movement and were strong is they didn't maintain their prayer life. And that's when things started to dissolve. And so um, the prayer camps outside of Lagos, I've been in the prayer camps. There's three major prayer camps. There are three million, uh, five million, seven million. Um, there's two, three others that are a couple million. And what caused... Um, Nigeria to really get a great foothold was 21 million people praying every month for three days in those prayer camps. And they sustained their nation in Christianity by doing that. Now where are those prayer camps? They can't even get a million people to come because they're watching the prosperity gospel of America and believing that's the path to the future. So not only do we export good things, but we do export some things that are not so good. So 
There's work to do. Another question. John. I assume you're probably talking about Brownsville, uh, you know, the revival at Brownsville. Can y'all hear me? All right. Yeah, somebody was smart. They gave me a dead mic. <laughs> and, I mean, they was really smart. Now, I assume you're talking about, like, Brownsville and stuff like that, the move that was going on during that time. Uh, I think right now what's building uh, uh, really is is – I think a lot of us that were back there, I know I did for a while, was kind of thinking that, uh, kind of looking for the same kind of thing to happen. But as time's gone on, I feel like it's going to be entirely different than than that. Uh, I think there's a new sound rising that'll come out of uh, out of people that uh, we don't know. I think that there's Davids in the field that God has that are... Uh, just out, uh, you know, playing their heart before the Lord, you know, so to speak. And I believe that sound will begin to rise up and there will be a, a new sound in the earth that's never been heard before. And it'll, you know, every revival, every move of God has had a sound to it. That revival had a sound, you know, the, the Brownsville had a sound. Every move of God had a sound and a song and, you know, and typically somebody that was leading the charge on that. And I think this time it's going to be uh, just totally different. I think there's going to be lots of fresh faces, a lot of rejects, a lot of people that uh, nobody knows, the ones that nobody wants, the, the ones that were cast aside because they didn't fit in skinny jeans good enough to look good on a stage. And uh, I don't think that it's going to look like the videos we have that we watch all the time and everybody patterns their worship after, you know, it's happening a lot. I think there's a new sound rising and a new look and a whole new move of God that'll be unlike we've ever seen, you know. So I, I don't anymore look really back to the past uh, to, to wonder, you know, or even compare because I'll be honest that I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what it's going to sound like, but I know this. If God lets me live, I'm going to be in the middle of it, you know, and uh, that's my two cents. That's good. Let's go down, down to this. That's all right. I think, like, I, I totally agree. It's um, right now we have so much revelation, and in those days we were lacking in some areas. We were lacking in kingdom understanding probably which we have today, we have an apostolic that's emerging. And so what's going on with what I see happening is God is positioning structure and oversight and order in a way that's probably not been seen before. And to me, that is putting something in place to maintain and sustain something. Uh, and I think we're, we're yet to see, uh, I think partly what's got to happen before we see a move is we're going to have to have... Um, a separation in the body to a degree, uh, uh, 
you know, I won't call it a holy war or any of that, but I feel like there's got to be a dividing of what is holy from what is profane. There has to be the mixture taken out. And then I think that God will then affirm that which is really from him. And it will literally cause people's hearts to have to make decisions and choices. Um, I think that every meeting that we do, I love what my son says, that was a meeting we had to do to get to the meeting we want to do. So we're not, you know, there's meetings that we do. And then we come along and we stumble into a meeting we really wanted. (laughs) Well, it was because we needed to get some meetings forming some things in us before we got to the meeting we really were after. And then it's like, can we narrow that down? Can we make that accelerate with our decisions? And those are things that I think, I think we hinder or, or enhance what God is doing by decisions that we make. And God has long patience, but we don't. So we're wanting something instantaneous, and God, I think God is building something and it's slow and sure because I don't think we're coming into a, a popping moment where we have a, an outpouring or an outbreak and it lasts three or four years. I think God's trying to get something that closes the end of an age. So that, you know, you gotta, if, you, if you think about it, we are about the most highly privileged people that have ever been born with an assignment that has never been seen. And that, to me, builds a real seriousness of purpose inside of me. So I think those are the things God's building in us. One last word on that. <laughs> All right. One last word on that that comes to mind is I think that, like he said, that it ain't going to be this, this little move. I don't think it's revival coming. I think it's harvest. I think we're coming up on a harvest time where everything is going to be different. It ain't going to be a move that we move through and then we're done and wait for the next one. I really believe it's it's the big one's coming. <laughs> you know, it's the big one, Elizabeth, if any of you know where that come from. <laughs> Showing my age. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I really agree. You know, and now here's a sobering thought. Could God love that harvest so much? that he's delaying the harvest so it won't spoil in the barns we have. You know, is he waiting on us till we get to the point that we love the harvest more than our own lives. And because of that, then we lay our lives down for that harvest. You see, it's like we, it's, it's fun to have big meetings and full meetings and, a lot of activity, but, you know, how does God view some of these things? And, our, you know, if we had the harvest we're all wanting, do you realize that everyone in this room is suddenly on call? It's all decks on hand. You will not be, you will not be able to sit anymore. You will have to do something because there's going to be 100 people knocking on your door. You know, if you're really thinking about a harvest that's coming. And I, want to, I really want to see the sweeping of God through a nation, you know, but I have to do a sweeping through my house, you know, first and get all that ready. So another question. Yeah, we'll go back, back.
That's a good question. You answer it. I'd like to know. <laughs> all, all I can do is tell a story. I'll try to make it short. Went to Indonesia, met with a woman who is the third largest palm oil producer in the world. She has eight oil refineries that are palm oil refineries with 25,000 people working each refinery. She has 600 people in her accounting department alone. She hired 40 full-time pastors to pastor her business and the people in her business. As harvest comes, I think that we're going to look at businessmen not as money people, but as influence people. And they're going to influence their companies. What if the guy of Amazon gets born again because of the atmosphere that he's constantly stepping into? How does he affect all of Amazon? How does he affect these things? See, we're looking at people that are positioned. I won't get political, but we're looking at people that are positioned and we're disgusted by their actions instead of praying for their conversion. And if they were converted in the places of influence that they would have, there would be a tremendous influence flow out of that then. So I think that businessmen are going to be more in that influencing role because of how they've been positioned in the earth uh, more than just funneling money. I think the money will come. Uh, Peter Wagner said we have enough um, when he was around, he said, we have enough money in the church to fund a worldwide revival. We just spend it in the wrong places. So, anything else you want? No. That's okay. All right, we'll go to the next question. Is this a personal question for you? Oh, geez. There's, it depends what I'm doing. If, if I'm like engaged deep in worship, I'm so energized, I can't hardly contain myself. If I'm in a, in a place where I'm really warring for something, I end up getting wore out. Uh, but it's like, uh, you know, it's kind of weird because it used to be like people would say, well, you did a service and you preached and you must be tired. No, I'm not tired. I'm energized because I'm under the spirit of God in that moment. But when you're warring against something, it, that can wear you down. That's, for me, it tires me out. And I have to judge how tired can I be to continue the war. You know, so maybe I need to take a furlough and go get some rest and come back and join again. But I, that's how I am anyway. I just, I get energized preaching. I get energized praying for people. I get really pumped up casting out demons. I mean, it really, it like just shoots me through the roof. Um, and I can even get really kind of pumped up doing principality stuff too. So, but you know, you all got to know your limitation, each one of us. And I mean, that's where I'm at with that. So another question. Yes. She's talking to you. <laughs> um, I know I'm an intercessor. I know I'm a prayer warrior. So I have rededicated myself to that. And I have a book that I put people's name in that I know that there's a need. I, God lays them on my heart. I have it somewhat in different columns. And 
because I hear different people pray, and I'm not asking that I pattern myself after you, but I want more power. I want more authority to go into my prayers. Mm. It is, it is a little bit. Um, I had some family things going on in my family um, that was at a critical moment. Um, I learned how to go into intercession to the point that I was putting so much pressure on the person's will, I almost broke them. And God said, you're going to have to let up. Because I don't want you to break them, I want you to bend them. And you can bend somebody's will and in intercession by putting what God is speaking over their life and causing it to be like they're running into it. And they have to make decisions. And they were making... So you're talking more about your children. I'm not talking to, about children and, and people I'm praying for. Yeah. You know, I've been praying for rape for people who have infirmities, sicknesses, who don't know the Lord, you know, in specific prayers. And that I think that they're, that they're pointers to other approach. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's nothing like fasting. For one thing, is a pointer. Uh, you can fast time, uh, affections. You can fast food, of course. It actually means to cover the mouth. Um, fasting is a major thing. And then, to me, another thing is knowing what that person's destiny is and constantly confessing that over their life, refusing to see with your eyes but know in your heart what they're supposed to be with the, upon the earth. Um, you know, and realizing that God's, God is probably dealing with all of these people to start to align with healing, destiny, salvation, whatever it is, um, and asking God, why am I not getting that result that I need? And probably maybe even reducing the list down to just a, a few and you press through on the few until you get the answer. But there's nothing like having a focal point of prayer. You know, what we've done as a ministry is we actually have a designated prayer room. And in that prayer room, we have lists of prayer for all kinds of things. But we also have, uh, you know, we're in a very creative environment. So we have a chalk, a chalk outline of our entire state. It's a chalkboard of our state that's about, it's eight foot tall and probably 12 or 15 foot long. And on that written in chalk is prayer requests for all over our state for different areas. So we're focused on our state and prayer in our state. And then we have, and we've had this for 30 years in our ministry, we have a saining net that's stretched across the walls and it is filled with names for salvation. And we go in there and we cry out over that net. And I'll tell you, there are times the presence of God is so strong you cannot even get close to it without just starting to cry. 
And one night the Lord told me, he said, I want, to, I want to give this people the gift of tears. And that was this morning, you know, or whenever I talked about last night about. And he said, I want you to simply read the names out of the net and I will do the rest. And I'm reading the names and the gift of tears is coming into the congregation. And now I'm reading a name and that person is sitting there in the congregation because we had prayed them in and we were able to take their name out of the net. And that, and that just did something in the atmosphere of the room because we saw that there was a result. So we need to stop and reflect and like, where did I get results? And how did those results come? Instead of looking maybe at, I'm not getting my results that I'm after. I was prayed into the kingdom, folks. I was targeted. And, and there was in that day, which that was a long time ago, they, they had targeted prayer specifically for my wife and me. People actually met, and that's all they did until we came in. We don't target prayer anymore like that. You know, if we're really serious about reaching somebody, think of what it would be like if you, if you actually got people together and you focused down to this single person and we're going to target them because they're a key that's going to unlock a whole bunch of people because that's what they saw in our lives. That's, that's a real different way. Yeah. You got anything you want to add? Sure. Well, I'm going to give you a Ray Hughes answer. <laughs> One of the the reason why is not to be a parrot and sound like him, but but it's an answer that worked for me in one of the biggest battles I've had when I was interceding for myself. And uh, that is that, and a lot of intercessors don't like this. So if you get mad, you know them. You asked. You know. I mean. <laughs> I mean. You know. Okay, and get mad at Ray anyway. <laughs> but it's this is true that sometimes prayer is not the strategy. Sometimes you pray to find the strategy. Sometimes prayer is a strategy. You pray, 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 but sometimes you pray and pray and just nothing happens. And sometimes if you just start praying for the strategy of how to, to approach whatever you're praying for, or whoever you're praying for, sometimes he'll give you a strategy instead of just a, a straight answer to prayer. And sometimes that strategy may be the may be involved prayer, you know, it may be the word. But I you know, I believe that if you're praying the word, it's the most powerful way you can pray. I don't know another way to pray more powerful than than uh, speaking the word and, and praying the word over something. But uh, I know the, one of the biggest battles I've ever had, one of the biggest enemies I've had, uh, I, I prayed and prayed, wondering what to do. And, uh, and God gave me the word of what, to, you know, what, what scripture exactly. And that was the strategy. He gave me the strategy, pray this over this. And so he gave me the word, and I prayed that for for a couple of years, but you know what? 
it was happened to be Psalm 37, and which continually said, you know, and and they you'll look for their place, and they'll be no more. And I can't tell you the whole story, but it, they were no more. They just disappeared, literally disappeared. The the enemy disappeared, and the problem disappeared, is gone. So sometimes, you know, if you know, sometimes your strategy isn't to pray. I mean, you know, it's to pray for the strategy. You know. I like that answer. Yeah, yeah. Because it's the prayer of agreement. You know, there's six types of prayer. One of those is the prayer of agreement. So the prayer of agreement is so powerful, it's like, but you have to agree on what you're praying or what you're going after. So like, there's one time we needed like $6,000 in 24 hours. And we came into agreement and I said, this is what we need. This is why we need it. This is what we're going to do with it. If you're in agreement, now let's pray. And I explained it so we could all be on the same page because I've had people praying down roads that we were... You know, my wife and we were trying to buy a house, and we knew this was the house we were to buy, and everyone's praying we don't get the house because they think there's a better house. No, this was the house that we wanted, and this was the house we were content with, and we, were in conf- we weren't in any agreement. <laughs> so when you do the prayer of agreement, you're bringing everybody else into that, and it becomes a multiplier. And you're not standing alone believing, and maybe even fighting your own unbelief and doubt. And you got other people now that are coming around you and like really making this thing come. You know what, folks? We were never supposed to do this alone, any of this. If we, you know, look at that. I can't remember where it's at right offhand. If we say that, uh, you, you all kind of know the verses, don't you? I can't remember how that all goes. There's a verse and it has the word we 13 times in one verse. If we say that we sin not, if we say, and it goes through this, it's a corporate thing, not an individual thing. So we should have somebody that we're prayer partnering up with doing some of these things. I think we'd be a lot more effective. Anything, another question? We'll take questions or even hallucinations. Well, I mean, we're back to what Mark said, the word, the word is his will. Um, And I think that sometimes if you have his heart, then you're not praying amiss. So you got to go after his heart first. What is his heart in this? I might have my preference, but what is God's preference? So I lay my preference down. I mean, that's one of the things when you go into ministry, you, you lay your preferences aside. So you're trying to be a vessel for him to work through with his preferences being birthed in you. Um, 
But I think if you line up with his preferences, with your heart, and then you line up what does the word say concerning this, then I think you're on the winning streak of what to see something move. Because here's where it's happening. You're agreeing. If two agree, so who are you coming into agreement with? God. Well, that's a pretty good agreement. <laughs> you know? So if I'm agreeing with what he wants, then this thing's probably going to come to pass. I will say one thing, that, and this is something I've held in my heart for a long time concerning loved ones unsaved. I honestly believe deep in my spirit that if we would all do what we're supposed to do and the move comes that we're all saying is appearing, I will not have to worry about my loved ones, that somebody else will be assigned to win them and I may be assigned to win yours because we're in this together, you see? And if we would all be doing our part, I think all of us would have all of our concerns met. You hang on that or you wanna? I, I, I think he said it, a, a huge thing of what he just said was laying down your own desires and stuff. Uh, you know, uh, personally, you know, when I've prayed for myself, I came to a point where uh, where I had to surrender everything. I mean, all my dreams, desires, everything, and I just handed them to God and said, there you go, you know. So I think it's really important to, to let him have it all, pray the word, of course, correctly, of course. You know, you don't want to pray death on a fool or something, you know, find some obscure Whatever, you know, I've tried and it nearly worked. <laughs> I should have tried harder, I guess. But, uh, you know, it, uh, I, think, I think that that is a real key, you know, letting go of what you're wanting, you know. Because and, and, uh, God said if you pray according to his will, you know, so, you know, uh, you can always ask God, what, what, how do you want me to pray? And if, if you don't know how, I know who does, the Holy Spirit does. You can go into the spirit realm, pray in the spirit, and, and let him pray those things you don't know what to pray, you know. And so there, there's another avenue. Let him pray it through you, you know. Mm -hmm. Anybody else another question? Oh, we'll go there. You two fight it, fight it out. All right. Oh, is this, you were the one that said you had a big question this morning, right? Okay. Uh-oh. <laughs> tell you I don't know I mean I'll just be honest I don't know uh, I do know that uh, that I believe it's all contingent on the anointing of God you know there's uh, there's I can you know for instance I can take the same fiddle and I can go into a bar and I used to do this all the time I used to just play at bars all the time but I can go into a bar 
and start playing. And, uh, and everybody wants to get drunk. I mean, the, the beer sales go through the roof. I mean, the women are, you know, wanting to do their thing. You go in the bar, people are trying to give you cocaine. But I can go into a bar and play and, and everything. I attract devils, you know what I'm saying? I can, but with the same fiddle, if, if I do what I know, uh, invites the anointing of God to to come upon me, which is just to play to Him and put my focus on Him and, and play all of me to Him. Then there's an anointing comes that that will cause devils to flee. Like David was was in the and I may not be answering your question good or not, but 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 David was in the field uh, when he was young playing his harp or you know. Whatever he felt like playing, and he wasn't playing to the sheep, which I don't play to the sheep either, you know. He was playing to the king. And, and so when the, this was a lifestyle for David, so when he was called into the palace before a king, uh, you know, uh, he, he couldn't even play for that king. He had to play to that king. And the reason why I know he was is because if he had just played to that king, that king would have just sat there and been entertained but as he did what he knew to do and the anointing came there was obviously something in the atmosphere that shifted that made devils leave and peace come and and I don't know all the the uh the the spiritual answers to that I I, you know a lot of people ask me a lot of wild questions and a lot of times all I say is I don't know all I do is I just play to the Lord and and I'm not some genius with some spiritual something. I just play to the Lord, and all of a sudden the atmosphere changes, you know. And and you can shift, you know. Any worshiper can do that same thing, a singing or worshiping the Lord, and the atmosphere can change. And when it does, people are transformed, and and the enemy runs, and all sorts of things can happen. But uh, maybe this guy can tell you something more, you know. Uh, more spiritual or something, because I'd like to know myself, you know. I'd like to know what what happens, you know. There's just a, the, somehow there's a sound of heaven that comes flow, can flow through you, and it's in that sound. You know, when I, when I play often, like if somebody just turns around and says, play, and there's nobody playing with me, I'm just lost as a goose, man. I mean, I'm just like there's nothing going on in me. But if, if there's chord progressions and music going on, somebody says, play. Well, there's something that happens. I hear a melody in, in my spirit, and it, as I hear it, it comes out my instrument. You know, it just, so I hear from heaven, and I play. And that's why a lot of times I just stop, and I wait, because I'm not hearing, you know. And there may be this big old awkward hole of me doing nothing, but I'm waiting to hear something flowing, because I'm wanting to take the sound of heaven and release it here so that the atmosphere will change, you know. Uh, you know. <laughs> Make it scientific, brother. <laughs> well, quantum physics, I, mean, <laughs> I, I, think, I think sound, the sound that we all hear, it says instruments are prophesying. Well, what are they doing a spiritual thing? It's not an instrument playing, it's the instrument's prophesying. The sound, the sound is an extension of the person. 
I mean, he can get on and play, and if I got on there, it'd be atrocious, you know? And it's like, I don't have the skill set to flow. So like, even like with our worship, they have worship practice, but they, they're learning songs, but what they're learning is flow. They're learning how to flow with each other and flow out of their spirit. And they're developing that frequency that's, that's in them. So it becomes like an extension of them when they're singing and all of this. So we sit here in a room and he says, make a joyful sound. And, and it's because it's like, it's just like what he said. He, if he don't hear, if there's not somebody else around helping it, it becomes you alone doing it. And when we, again, pull other people in, it's like, it's like we have a worship team. And here's what we do. We look up here on the stage for a worship team to create an atmosphere. And the real reality is they'll create an atmosphere, but you're the ones that's creating the atmosphere in the room. You're the worship team as well. Because I'll tell you, most worship leaders will tell you they don't want to pull you along. They want you to, to be part of what they're doing and come along into it. And so you all then have a frequency that's released in the room that causes the room to take on a whole different dimension. And eventually you even reach that harmonious thing where you're all as one sound. And we've had a one sound moment uh, the last couple of weeks ago. We had a single frequency of us all. And one of it was everybody came into a pocket into the middle of the room and we stood in like a, uh, an invisible whirlpool or something and we were as one sound in that moment. And what happened was we joined together to create that moment. And there was a time when uh, uh, some kids, we had a youth event, had about 150 kids. And they came up and sat around me and they were releasing a shout into me because somebody said, you know, would you, um, it was about, you know, would you let this man, you know, uh, would you support what he's doing? It was kind of down that line. And they all like let out this shout. Well, I thought, well, the shout's cool. It'll last here about 10 seconds and they'll be done. They're a bunch of teenagers. That shout went for five minutes. And it got to the point where it was a sustained sound, a single sound in the room. And when we went downstairs in our basement, it had vibrated all the plaster off of our ceiling in our basement. It all fell down because that sound was permeating and getting absorbed into the framework of that building. <laughs> yeah, and it was just, and then we had a mess to clean up. <laughs> and that's how we start to like push things, you see. We got one over here. Can happen with prayer, one sound. Yeah. I was going to say at least the walls didn't fall down like they did at Jericho from that sound. Yeah, but light and sound both have to do with frequency. They're different places on the scale. And, you know, using music and... And, and audible sound is kind of an easy example, but the fact is every one of us creates vibration, particularly when we're connected to our purpose. 
when we're connected with what we're called and created to do, we're tapping into the frequency of heaven for us, and we're emitting a frequency that causes things to erupt around us. And, and for, for Mark, it's got to do with him playing the violin and whatever else he does that relates to music and probably some other things. And, and for Greg, it has to do with when he gets close to demons, something in him starts coming alive, you know. And with all of us, there's something that causes us to come fully alive and a vibration to happen in the innermost part of who we are that releases a frequency that causes things to happen. And so just relating it to music is, just, is an easy example, but it really doesn't stop there. That's only the, kind of the starting place or an easy example. Uh, but it's when we connect to the thing that brings us alive and that part of us that we feel coming fully alive is actually creating a frequency that heaven gets involved in. And it's, it's where we engage in the work of the kingdom. tell you what when when the, the you know what hit the fan in my life I went I learned to intercede for myself <laughs> really big <laughs> huh oh yeah uh, you can look at, at just about any wonderful Bible character in the Bible and you'll find them you know <laughs> calling out to God for something for their self you know I uh, I would not have made, I don't know how you're alive if you've never prayed for yourself. I, mean, <laughs> I don't know because, uh, you know, I uh, selfishly I've prayed more for myself in my lifetime probably than anybody. And, and probably at the same time that may have been, you know, helped me out to be alive today. You know, that sounds selfish, but, you know, read the Psalms. You know, uh, David, man, he was in and out of trouble all the time prayed for yourself you know I, I don't without shame I'll tell you when when things are wrong with me I'm going to pray for me you know because uh what good am I to pray for somebody else if I'm falling apart and dying and you know going to be pitiful like David at times and you know I mean you know uh, that's my huh well I tell you one of the th best, yeah, of course, you know, pray for your destiny. Uh, surrender your dreams and give them to God and let him uh, have his dreams come true for you. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, your destiny, uh, you, wanna, you don't want to mess that up. One of the biggest prayers I've had in my life, especially since getting in ministry uh, a couple of decades ago, was God, don't let me mess it up. You know, uh, you know there's definitely... Uh, and, uh, you know, I tell you how to, to learn how to pray for yourself. Get a bunch of Mountain Dew and drink it till you got a kidney stone. And you'll pray. You'll learn how to pray for yourself. <laughs> that may not sound spiritual, but it will become spiritual, I can tell you that. <laughs> you'll get more spiritual than you've ever been. And, you know, anyway, I better let the expert. <laughs> the expert. 
Can't tell what I can't, can't hear you. We'll wait till everybody settles down a little bit. You know, they're a rowdy crowd. Personal yes, experience. I'm about up to number 12, you know. I still have kidney stones in my body I'm praying about <laughs> that I'd like to disappear. <laughs> so, yeah, I pray for myself. I mean, you know, I ain't ashamed. <laughs> you know, when you're, when you're interceding, many times you become the answer to your intercession. So if you're interceding for yourself, many times you're going to find the answer for yourself because no one knows the answer you need more than you. And no one knows how to pray better for yourself than you. So, you know, and that's, that's probably where we get into the thing of fasting. You see, it's getting into these, these uh, disciplines that we need in our intercession to be effective. So, another question? Yeah. Anybody else? We're all so smart, aren't you? You got questions for them? Uh, <laughs> I got advice. Don't do what I said about the Mountain Dew and all the kidney stone stuff. <laughs> Skip that part of it. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> Mountain Dew stocks going down. Yeah, I, th- I think it's every one of us, you know, uh, and, you know, we, we all, maybe, you know, I mean, you should, you've heard Ray uh, teach about it, but uh, God has given us each a DNA, uh, and everybody's DNA is different. I mean, extremely different, unless you're kin, and there's, you know, but there's, everybody's is different, and, uh, and they have uh, years ago found that DNA is a musical encoding that uh, if they stretch it all out and just lay it out instead of a spiral and they just take it, you know, uh, straight, and they plug that information into a computer, into a music program such as Reason or Pro Tools or something, and they call up a virtual instrument, you know, basically it's an electronic instrument that 
can be played through that software. If you take a, a one track, you know, musical track, and you put that information of somebody's DNA into it, and they play it, and they assign a, a piano or something to it, you'll hear a melody. I mean, it's music. You are a song that God wrote. And, and uh, they've, they've even taken enzymes and junk out of the same, the same body and, and played it the same way and found that it sounded different. And they're thinking, well, that's different. And they do all these different enzymes from, from you. And, and then they happen to put it together with your main line of DNA. And they find out it's the same song, just different parts, like an orchestra playing. I mean, it's all these different, you know, you got in an orchestra, you got your, your violins and second violins and, you know, cellos and violas and all doing different parts that all come together and make a beautiful song. Well, God made you that way. So that don't mean that you're talented. That means that you're musical. And there is a difference. I mean, everybody in here is just as musical as I am, I promise you may not be as talented or you may be more talented, but talent is just given to us, I believe, so that we don't stab each other in the necks with our, our music stands and stuff. And we can tolerate each other, you know, but, but you know, and that's not the same thing as skill, which is, another, you know, we're, but, uh, but each of us have a sound and that, that you can be tone deaf, but that don't, that don't take away your power to, uh, to, uh, you know, to let your your sound that God made in you come out. I mean, you can sing in it, and the, you can be terrible, but there can be power in it because that's the way God designed us. He gave you talent or he didn't in your voice, and that don't matter because your same voice, I mean, see, you're really the worship, you know, you're, uh, w w at one point you're supposed to take over worship, and we just kind of go. You know, and fly because, you know, you are created with the most powerful instrument that exists, and that's the human voice, the, the original one. But, you know, uh, and, and I've told some of these guys this story lately, but, but uh, when I was a rank heathen, I mean, just, you know, man, I just soon never enter a door of a church, and I was always scared to and mad when I went and all this stuff. But I, I was dating this girl years ago and and she was basically the devil's sister i mean you know she was kin real close and that's why i liked her at the time you know because she was a devil's sister but we uh, she her brother was a pastor of, or you know pastor of a church down the road and and she thought it would be really impressive and impress the, the family if we showed up at church because our brother's preaching, we showed up, and I'm sitting there just thinking, man, I don't want to be here, and uh, and suddenly this this woman gets up, this old, old hag, really, you know, and uh, she, uh, she walks up front, and she says, it's not that funny, <laughs> it really ain't, if you was there, you wouldn't have laughed, I promise <laughs> But she walks up front, and and she's carrying this big old thick binder with a bunch of something in it. And she said, "So, sister, so and so asked me if I'd sing a song, but I'm just I, I didn't come prepared. But that thing was full of songs that she sang. I mean, as big as she came prepared as anybody, 
over-prepared. She had her book there ready to go just in case somebody did. And so she, had, somebody had asked her, come on, you know, will you sing a song? So she got up there. But she did, I don't know if you ever seen this, this pitiful act they do where they, they go, uh, well, you know, I don't know that I can make it through this. You know, just pray that I can make it through this song. You know, and I'm sorry if you want them pitiful people, but sometimes it's just plain pitiful, you know. I mean, uh, you know, she's up there, you know, uh, you know, just pray I can make it through this. And she was just, I know she was just waiting, chomping at the bits to sing something. And uh, The bits. Yeah. The bits, plural. Yeah, that's right. That's right. She had many mouths on that thing. I, she started to sing. And it was like, honestly, if you've ever heard somebody peel a paneling off a wall and it's ripping and going on, it, you know, almost like, (laughs) it's not that funny. (laughs) It's kind of like squirrels fighting, really, you know, (laughs) but all this racket's going on and I'm a professional musician sitting there have played with some of the best singers in the world. You know, I mean, some of the, they just go, and I'm like sitting there just trying my best not to bust out laughing. And I'm sitting there, you know, she, you know, was going on about, just pray that I can make it through this. And I was praying, God, if you're real, help me through this. You know, kill her or do something. Stop, stop this mess, you know. <laughs> if, you're, if you're really there, then help a fella out, you know. But, but as hideous and awful as that was, man, because I'm telling you, she had zero singing talent. I mean, you know, as, you know if you could go into the negative, she was there. But she, she was singing this, and it was hideous, and I'm just sitting there going, oh, why did I come here? But then, let me tell you, she suddenly just verse 2 or somewhere, she, she closes her eyes, and she's singing, and all of a sudden, everything changed. I start getting chill bumps. I'm thinking, what's this? I'm sitting around getting real nervous and shifty and stuff, because I'm feeling something. That, everything had changed in the room, and, you know, it, I didn't care that cause she could sing bad no more, you know what I mean, all that going on, and, and it was still the same awful voice and the lack of talent. But that was my first encounter with the presence of God and the anointing because something shifted where obviously she was singing up to the Lord. And, and I wasn't making fun of her no more. I was like going, man, what is this? I had chill bumps that you could, you know, hang horseshoes on. You know I mean? It was, it was serious stuff going on. But that showed me early on, I learned, <laughs> good grief. I'm sorry, somebody, I can't even remember who I asked, but you asked. (laughs) uh, But that showed me that talent had zero to do with the anointing or anything. And that woman with no talent at all, just if you feel like you have no talent, you can sing and everybody may make fun of you for a while. But if you'll sing up, you know, to the Lord, you have the power to cause the king of the universe to walk in the room. You have the power to, to pull. He cannot resist your worship. 
You know, you just worship and sing to him, forget everybody else. And I guarantee you have the same power that I do to bring God into the room. And so wherever you're at now, it may not be singing or whatever. It may be something else. But, you know, you aim it up and, and he'll aim it out. You know, and, and that's what all I do is I aim up and he aims out. I don't have to bless you. I bless him and he'll bless them. And that's the same for you. And I forget who asked it, but there you go. I can't top any of that. <laughs> I'm leaving that alone. You know, you know how, how many, uh, I see the hand. We'll get to that salvation in a moment. <laughs> how many people struggle with your voice? Now, how many people are lying? <laughs> how many? Everybody struggles with your own voice, don't we? If we're really honest, we don't like how we sound. We don't. Do you realize that how, what you hear is not really what I'm hearing? I'm hearing something different. It's the same thing with God. What you're hearing is not what He's hearing. He's hearing something very different. And I look at my own voice, and I don't feel like. I, I'm a, I've got that quality to sing, but I have that quality to worship. And so I don't worry what my voice sounds like. And there's times where like, I feel like I need to lead something in a service in song. And I'm not the song guy, but I'm the worship guy. And I can step into that moment with my voice. And you know what? I had to come to the conclusion. I don't care what my voice sounds like. That doesn't matter because my heart is here to engage. And the reason I want to lead something in the I'm trying to engage the people into something in the service. And I'll tell you how almost every time it starts with me is by humming. It isn't even by the singing. It's by the humming in my spirit and letting my spirit just to begin to create a sound. And that sound starts to resonate into my spirit. I was doing it all, all the way through the whole weekend over here. I was resonating in my spirit by just humming, singing. I was singing a song. I was humming. And you all can hum. <laughs> you know, It's the beginning of sound for all of us. And, and it's almost like God put that even when we were a baby. I mean, I have a, a six-month-old granddaughter, and I... I talk her language and she likes it because she coozy, coozy, coo, and I coo, I coo. You see, it's like we were made to talk the language or sing the language of heaven. And that's already setting in your spirit. So all you're doing is connecting what's in your spirit to God and releasing it. So now the salvation question. I mean, yeah, I think the singing, I think the, I mean, 
prophesying on instruments and creative songs that come. I mean, that's, um, to me, that's being in sync with heaven. You've picked up something in heaven because you're seated there and you're, you've literally like, you're no longer here, you're there. Your spirits went there. Your body's here. Your body's the channel of what your spirit's engaging with. So we're, we're getting the benefit of what your spirit's engaged with. And then it's flowing through you and coming here. And when we're, when we're in sync, to me, when we're seated with Christ, it's not a future tense. It's a present tense thing going on all the time with us. If I'm in the spirit, you know, on the Lord's day, he will speak to me. Those that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Everything is connecting into our spirit of where am I deciding my spirit's going to locate? Or what is my spirit going to do? And so my spirit is in sync with God's spirit. It's the same spirit in me that raised Christ from the dead. Well, if that's not a synced up spirit, I don't know what is. And so now if I honestly understand that I'm in sync with God, I can know God's will. I can go know God's mind. I mean, Paul said in Corinthians, he said, who has the mind of Christ that we may instruct him? Or who has the mind of God that we may instruct him? And then he says, but we have the mind of Christ. The first half is an Old Testament verse. The second half is a New Testament interpretation. Paul said, I want to answer this question about how do we know the mind of God? It's through Christ. So through Christ and being synced in Christ, I can understand his thoughts and his intentions of his heart because I'm synced. I'm in that place. And it also means the place of origin. I'm going back to the origin. The original intention of God was that I would be in such fellowship with God. I would know what his heart is concerning everything and be doing those things. And so then when you start to get into sync, it's almost like the deeper you sink in, the stronger prophecy becomes, the stronger the flow becomes. All of that starts, it has an effect. And what really has an effect in meetings for me is when all of you sink in. It's like I tell my wife, I can tell when people are drawing and when they're not. And if they're not drawing, then I'm pulling. And if they're drawing, they're pushing. And if everybody gets in sync, everything gets very easy in the room. It flows very nice. We don't miss moments. We move from this to this. And we, and we leave really happy. And nobody goes to the woodshed. And I've been to the woodshed with God after meetings, and it's not a fun moment. And really, and what it comes down to is he shows me the moments we could have had or we missed because we didn't engage. And those are moments you can't get back. And I actually wrote a blog on it. It affected me so deeply. I wrote a blog on it about what do you do when you miss a moment? How do you deal with those emotions and those feelings? Because if, like say, my spirit's in sync that I know what God wants to do, but somebody else is not in sync and they take something astray. And here my spirit knows exactly what he wants to do, but you know what, I can't go back and recreate that moment, that flow moment that was just happening. So then it comes into the reality of I, if we all realize the role that we're all playing in this together, the dependency we need of each other, to fulfill the grand thing that God is wanting to do every time we gather.
You know, like this morning, having the needs and the, you know, facing out for the answers. That's, that's us being in sync in the, in the moment. And we're just, we look at it as an action and God is looking at it as a life, a life, a living organism. That's, it's like the body healing itself. It's regenerating itself. It's, it's doing all of that. So, yes, I Anybody else a question? John. Have either one of you uh, ever, do you have any stories or testimonies of you're talking about uh, being in sync here, harmony, harmony, and how that affects the creation? So, go ahead. Yeah, I got, I got a story. Yeah, I'll I'll be short because he's probably got a good story, but I've uh, I've I've witnessed uh, creation coming in line with, uh, of course, you know about everything that I have to do with him. Mean, I answer in a in terms of worship because that's just what I'm created for. But but uh, I've seen numerous times where creation comes into sync with with the worship that's going on. I've I've seen some wild stuff. I've seen you know I've seen trees dancing begin to dance when there's no wind, and uh, the only wind blowing is the wind of the spirit. I've seen trees dance. I've I've seen plants. I I, I witnessed two ferns one time right in front of a, a pastor as worship was going on. He was pacing back and forth, and worship was going on really powerfully. And and I saw those two ferns begin to dance. It's like they just couldn't hold themselves back no more, and plants started to dance to the Lord, you know. And that's a pretty wild thing, you know. But, but uh, I believe that, that all of creation longs uh, for the, the sound of our worship to line up with the sound of the land. Because if, if you ha- can grasp the sound of heaven and pull it down, it begins to resonate through the sound of earth that's in you. And as it resonates, the, the, the earth responds. It can even hit, start healing itself, you know, I mean, of, of things that have gone on in the earth. But, uh, you know, yeah, I've seen stuff happen. And, and now, uh, I wish Ray was here because he can tell all these wild stories about, you know, uh, they were, uh, and I wish I'd have been on this trip, but one time they were in a cave uh, where, where really it's called Sodom Cave. Was, they believe it's where in the area where Sodom was, but but uh, they had found it just excavating stuff, uh, putting power lines up a hill, and they they moved some dirt and opened a cave up, and it was a Christian cave, uh, you know, of, of probably around a little after Jesus had died because there was crosses all in it, and they believed it's where you know some of the church folks would, would probably stay along their journey going somewhere, you know. But uh, they began to sing uh, 
the song uh, Blow Mighty Breath of God. Remember that song? And, and they're just in there, Brian and Ramey and Ray, and they're in there playing this song. And as they're asking, you know, the song's asking God to, you know, blow mighty breath of God, there's a whirlwind stirs up uh, on that hill. And it's real it's kind of sandy coming up that hill. And it gathered that sand up, and you couldn't even see a thing. And it covered the uh, entrance to that cave, and not a piece of sand came in the cave. I mean, it's just whirlwind blowing. And but uh, you know, I think that creation is just waiting for for the right opportunity to respond to the sound of of worship in the earth. You know, uh, I've heard this. Uh, this is. This will wreck some people's theology and make them think I'm crazy, but I've heard the earth sigh, a sigh of relief before when we was, began to release a sound of worship. Then I could hear as if, if the trees and the land was sighing and saying, oh, oh, finally, finally, the sound of worship. We've been waiting for it here for ages. And uh, yeah, that's all how many times have we prayed for weather and seen it shift? And that's a sound. See, we're thinking worship, but it's a sound out of your spirit. Uh, tornadoes, we've prayed for tornadoes and seen them lift over us. Um, I was with a guy that he walked a very close walk with God. He walked like an Enoch walk. And he said to me, he said, have you ever had the trees wave at you? The trees wave at me when I come home. And I'm like, What? And so we pull in his driveway, and it was dead still, like you're saying. And here we go up the driveway, and there's about 20 trees, and each one just goes like this. And then the next one, and then the next one. And, and he called me one night. He said, I've got a, I've got a problem. He said, I have a, a bumblebee has came and has sat on my hand, and I don't know what to do with it. And I'm supposed to go to a meeting, and it won't go away. I said, well, just take it with you. I mean, I'm supposed to apostle these things. I don't, I, you know, if you got any better wisdom, let me know. I said, well, just take it with you. So he did. Can you imagine someone walking in here with a bumblebee on their hand? He gets up, he preaches, prays for people, goes home, and the thing is still on his hand. And he called me when he got home. And he said, that bee is still on my finger. What should I do? And with great wisdom, I said, release it. <laughs> I release you. He said, it's gone. And in the morning, he called me again. And he said, it's came up and it's now on the edge of my cereal bowl setting again. And see, he was interacting with creation because of the place where he had decided to walk so close. But his obedience to God was like 100%. And he did things that was strange to people, and God did strange things around him. And that was an amazing thing that I saw firsthand in that guy's life. And I, you know, it made me think, how close can we walk to God in the earth? You know, we look at corporate. Corporately, what can we accomplish Look what this guy was accomplishing as a single individual. And if we were all walking those kinds of close walks, what would we be doing with our lives if concerning creation and that redemption of creation? So I think there's, um, you know, you know that tornado 
I don't know, but I t did I talk to you about the tornado that chased me across? Was I talk about that last time I was here? Went clear across Kentucky, those tornadoes. That crazy thing chased me down. Anybody's tried to rip my motel room roof off right above my, my room. I was the only place that got damaged in that, at the final ending of it. Well, see, here was the thing that creation was coming after me, in a way. But I never got hurt. And I think it's because there's something on my life that has to be finished yet. So, you know, our interaction with creation, I think we've got to be a little more aware, spiritually aware in the moments we're living of what's going on around us in creation. We've seen creation interacting with us in the clouds. How many people have taken pictures of clouds and some, some wild thing and I, there's angels and there's this. It's creation that's forming something for us. I'll tell you one that you don't even think about anymore, a rainbow. Here's creation interacting with us and we've taken it for granted. And yet there's, here's the colors of God. Here's the spectrum of promise. So, any other questions? All right, I guess it's pizza time, eh? Any concerns or hallucinations? <laughs> well, thank you. Do you got anything you want to say? No, I'm, I'm good, man. Well, it was good to be here. I really, I really appreciate this, this family. Um, I see such potential, and every time I come, I see increase. I see growth in many of you every time I come. It's very encouraging. You've got great leadership here. Um, you've got a great assignment. You've got a great mission. And, you know, you all keep telling me, uh, move here. Uh, maybe God will release me when you get the move going. Because <laughs> I'll probably come. <laughs> I'll bring my camper and camp out a while. So I just appreciate, I really appreciated Mark. I really appreciated what he brought to this. Um, you know, the gift that he has, but that's why I really felt like he has so much to offer in the dialogue, didn't he, tonight and, and everything. I just felt like there's a lot of um, history that God has formed through you, Mark, and I really, I really have a vision that there's something major coming for you in the future. Um, you're like me. All the preparation is coming to the next leg that you're supposed to do, and there's something out there, and we're, we both don't know what it looks like, but we're both pushing into it. So I think it's going to be wonderful when we do that and get there. So, oh. Yeah, they're, they're I do, and they're $1,250 each because I live nearly eight hours away. <laughs> <laughs> I do teach a little bit. Uh, I've I've backed off uh, some. I, I used to teach a lot of people. Really, the violin thing. I've I've had a few students that did well. Most give up, you know, because it's not uh, the easiest instrument on earth to play. I've taught a lot of people guitar, and they've done a lot better and been, you know, 
Uh, and fortunately, almost all of those have become worship leaders, which, you know, that that's the important part to me. I mean, it's neat to teach somebody to play fiddle tunes and have fun with it and enjoy music. But, uh, you know, I've, I've really always kind of had such a, a eye out for that one person that's gifted and, and has the heart for worship so I could pour into them and and maybe if I'm gone someday or even if I'm not they're out somewhere doing the you know going further and take bringing people further into the presence of God than than I ever did you know but uh yeah, I I don't you know I have people ask me all the time if I teach and and they and when I say I'm well I live way off from you then they ask me can you do it over Skype and the answer is no not really because it's a my method of teaching is the way I was taught, where you play along with them, and and you, the electronically when you're doing that, you cancel out when they're playing. They can't hear what you're doing. You can't, and there's a a, a little lag in time, you know, and stuff. But you know, anyway. <laughs> okay. All right.